The Wild Duck from Mr. Punch's Pocket Ibsen. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Mr. Punch's Pocket Ibsen by F. Anstey. The Wild Duck. A Chamberlain. Read by Christine G. Gina. Read by Libby Gone. Gregors. Read by Lambda. Hedvig. Read by Francis Brown. Hyalmar Ekdal. Read by Todd. Mrs. Sorby. Read by Bev Stevens. Old Ekdal. Read by Elizabeth Clett. Pearl. Read by Arnaldo Machado. Narrated by Elizabeth Clett. Act First. At Verrill's house. In front, a richly upholstered study. Right, a green baize door leading to Verrill's office. At back, open folding doors revealing an elegant dining room in which a brilliant Norwegian dinner party is going on. Hired waiters in profusion. A glass is tapped with a knife. Shouts of, Bravo! Old Mr. Verrill is heard making a long speech, proposing, according to the custom of Norwegian society on such occasions, the health of his housekeeper, Mrs. Sorby. Presently several short-sighted, flabby, and thin-haired chamberlains enter from the dining-room, with Hjalmar Ekdal, who writhes shyly under their remarks. "'As we are the sole surviving specimens of Norwegian nobility, suppose we sustain our reputation as aristocratic sparklers by enlarging upon the enormous amount we have eaten, and chafing Hjalmar Ekdal, the friend of our host's son, for being a professional photographer.' "'Bravo! We will!' They do. Delight of Hjalmar. Old Verrill comes in, leaning on his housekeeper's arm, followed by his son, Gregor's Verrill. Thirteen at table. To Gregor's with a meaning glance at Hjalmar. This is the result of inviting an old college friend who has turned photographer. Wasting vintage wines on him, indeed. He passes on, gloomily. Hjalmar to Gregor's. I am almost sorry I came. Your old man is not friendly. Yet, he set me up as a photographer fifteen years ago. Now he takes me down. But, for him, I should never have a Regina, who, you may remember, was a servant in your family once. What? My old college friend married fifteen years ago? Unto our Gina, of all people? If I had not been up at the works all these years, I suppose I should have heard something of such an event. But my father never mentioned it. Odd. He ponders. Old Ekdal comes out through the green baize door, bowing and begging pardon, carrying copy-work. Old Verrill says, Ugh, and Pah, involuntarily. Hjalmar shrinks back and looks another way. A chamberlain asks him pleasantly if he knows that old man. I oh no not in the least no relation what heilmar you with your great soul deny your own father of course what else can a photographer do with a disreputable old parent who has been in a penitentiary for making a fraudulent map i shall leave this splendid banquet the chamberlains are not kind to me and i feel the crushing hand of fate on my head Goes out hastily, feeling it. Any nobleman here, say, cold punch? 
Every nobleman says, cold punch, and follows her out in search of it with enthusiasm. Gregors approaches his father, who wishes he would go. Father, a word with you in private. I loathe you. I am nothing if not candid. Old Egdell was your partner once, and it's my firm belief you deserved a present quite as much as he did. However, you surely need not have married our Gina to my old friend Hylmer. You know very well she was no better than she could have been. True, but then no more is Mr. Sorby, and I am going to marry her, if you have no objection, that is. None in the world. How can I object to a stepmother who is playing blind man's buff at the present moment with the Norwegian nobility? I am not so overstrained as all that. But really, I cannot allow my old friend Hylmer, with his great, confiding, childlike mind, to remain in contented ignorance of Gina's past. No, I see my mission in life at last. I shall take my hat and inform him that his home is built upon a lie. He will be so much obliged to me. Takes his hat and goes out. Ha! I am a wealthy merchant of dubious morals, and I am about to marry my housekeeper who is on intimate terms with the Norwegian aristocracy. I have a son who loathes me, and who is either an Spanish satire of the master's old ideals, or else an utterly impossible prig. I don't know or care which. Altogether, I flatter myself my household affords an accurate and realistic picture of Scandinavian society. Curtain Act Second. Hjalmar Ekdal's photographic studio. Cameras, neck rests, and other instruments of torture lying about. Gina Ekdal and Hedvig, her daughter, aged fourteen, and wearing spectacles, discovered sitting up for Hjalmar. Grandpapa's in his room with a bottle of brandy and a jug of hot water, doing some fresh copying work. Father's in society, dining out. He promised he would bring me home something nice. Hjalmar coming in in evening dress. And he has not forgotten his promise, my child. Behold. He presents her with the menu card. Hedvig gulps down her tears. Hjalmar notices her disappointment with annoyance. And this all the gratitude I get? After dining out and coming home in a dress coat and boots, which are disgracefully tight. Well, well. Just to show you how hurt I am, I won't have any beer now. What a selfish brute I am. You may bring me just a little drop. He bursts into tears. I will play you a plaintive bohemian dance on my flute. He does. No beer at such a sacred moment as this. He drinks. Ha! This is real domestic bliss. Gregor's Verl comes in in a countrified suit. I have left my father's home, dinner party, and all, forever. I am coming to lodge with you. Have some bread and butter. You won't? Then I will. I want it, after your father's lavish hospitality. Hedvig goes to fetch bread and butter. My daughter, a poor short-sighted little thing, but mine own. My father has had to take to strong glasses, too. He can hardly see after dinner. To old Ekdal, who stumbles in very drunk. How can you, Lieutenant Ekdal, who was such a keen sportsman once, Live in this pocky little hole. I am a sportsman still. 
the only difference is that once i shot bears in a forest and now i pot tame rabbits in a garret quite as amusing and safer he goes to sleep on a sofa it is quite true you shall see he pushes back sliding doors and reveals a garret full of rabbits and poultry moonlight effect hedvig returns with bread and butter hedvig to gregor's if you stand just there you get the best view of our wild duck we're very proud of her because she gives the play its title you know and has to be brought into the dialogue a good deal your father peppered her out shooting and we saved her life yes gregors our estate is not large but still we preserve you see and my poor old father and i sometimes get a day's gunning in the garret he shoots with a pistol which my illiterate wife here will call a pigstool he once when he got into trouble pointed it at himself but the descendant of two lieutenant colonels who had never quailed before living rabbit yet faltered then he didn't shoot and i put it to my own head but at the decisive moment i won the victory over myself i remained in life now we only shoot rabbits and fowls with it after all i am very happy and contented as i am he eats some bread and butter but you ought not to be you have a good deal of the wild duck about you so have your wife and daughter you are living in marsh vapours to-morrow i will take you out for a walk and explain what i mean it is my mission in life good night he goes out what was the gentleman talking about father hjalmar eating bread and butter he has been dining you know no matter what we have to do now is to put my disreputable old white-haired pariah of a parrot to bed he and gina lift old eccles we mean old ekdal up by the leg and arms and take him off to bed as the curtain falls act three hjalmar's studio a photograph has just been taken gina and hedvig are tidying up there should have been a luncheon party in this act with dr relling and molvik who would have been in a state of common chippiness after his excesses overnight but as it hadn't much to do with such plot as there is we cut it out it came cheaper here comes your father back from his walk with that lunatic young verl you had better go and play with the wild duck hedvig goes hjalmar coming in i have been for a walk with gregors he meant well but it was tiring gina he has told me that fifteen years ago before i'd married you you were rather a wild duck so to speak why haven't you been writhing in penitence and remorse all these years eh why because i have had other things to do you wouldn't take any photographs so i had to all the same it was a swamp of deceit and where am i to find elasticity of spirit to bring out my grand invention now i used to shut myself up in the parlor and ponder and cry when i thought that the effect of inventing anything would sap my vitality i did want to leave you an inventor's widow but i never shall now particularly as i haven't made up my mind what to invent yet yes it's all over rabbits are trash and even poultry palls and i'll wring that cursed wild duck's neck gregors coming in beaming well so you got it over wasn't it soothing and ennobling huh and ain't you both obliged to me no 
it's my opinion you'd better have minded your own business weeps bless me pardon my norwegian navet but this ought really to be quite a new starting point why i confidently expected to have found you both beaming mrs egdell being so illiterate may take some little time to see it but you halmer with your deep mind surely you feel a new consecration huh oh er uh, yes i suppose so in a sort of a way hedvig runs in overjoyed father only see what mrs sorby has given me for a birthday present a beautiful deed of gift shows it hjalmar eluding her ha mrs sorby the family housekeeper my father's sight failing hedvig in goggles what vistas of heredity these astonishing coincidences open up i am not short-sighted at all events and i see it all all this is my answer he takes the deed and tears it across now i have nothing more to do in this house puts on overcoat my home has fallen in ruins about me bursts into tears my hat oh but you mustn't go you must be all three together to attain the true frame of mind for self-sacrificing forgiveness you know self-sacrificing forgiveness be blowed he tears himself away and goes out hedvig with despairing eyes oh he said it might be blowed now he'll never come home any more shall i tell you how to regain your father's confidence and bring him home surely sacrifice the wild duck do you think it will do any good you just try it curtain act fourth same scene gregors enters and finds gina retouching photographs halma not came in yet after last night i suppose not he he's been out on the loose all night with relling and molvik now he's snoring on their sofa dear dear when he ought to be earning to wrestle in solitude and self-examination self-examine your grandmother she goes out hedvig comes in ha huh. i see you haven't found courage to settle the wild duck yet no it seemed such a delightful idea at first now it strikes me as a trifle well obscenish i thought you hadn't grown up quite unarmed in this house but if you really had the true joyous spirit of self-sacrifice you would have a shot at that wild duck if you died for it i see you mean that my constitution's changing and i ought to behave as such exactly i am what americans would term a crank but i believe in you hedvig hedvig takes down the pistol from the mantelpiece and goes into the garret with flashing eyes gina comes in hjalmar looking in at door with hesitation he is unwashed and dishevelled has anybody happened to see my hat gracious what a sight you are sit down and have some breakfast do she brings it what touch food under this roof never helps himself to bread and butter and coffee go and pack up my scientific uncut books my manuscripts and all the best rabbits in my portmanteau i am going away for ever on second thoughts i shall stay in the spare room for another day or two it won't be the same as living with you he takes some salt meat must you go just when you got a nice firm ground to build upon thanks to me 
then there is your great invention too everything's invented already and i only cared about my invention because although it doesn't exist yet i thought hedvig believed in it with all the strength of her sweet little short-sighted eyes but now i don't believe in hedvig he pours himself out another cup of coffee but helmer if i can prove to you that she is ready to sacrifice her cherished wild duck see he pushes back sliding door and discovers hedvig aiming at the wild duck with the butt end of the pistol tableau but don't you see it's the pigstol that fatal norwegian weapon which in ibsenian dramas never shoots straight and she has got it by the wrong end too she will shoot herself she will let the child make amends it will be most realistic and impressive finale no no put the pigstol down hedvig do you hear child hedvig still aiming i hear but shan't unless father tells me to Heilmer, show the great soul i always said you had this sorrow will set free what is noble in you don't spoil a fine situation be a man let the child shoot herself well really i don't know there's a good deal in what gregor says hmm a good deal of tomfool rubbish i'm illiterate i know i've been a wild duck in my time and i waddle but for all that i'm the only person in the play with a grain of common sense and i'm sure whatever mr ibsen or gregors choose to say that a screaming burlesque like this ought not to end like a tragedy even in this queer norway of ours and it shan't either tell the child to put that nasty pigstol down and come away do ah well i am a farcical character myself after all don't touch a hair of that duck's head hedvig come to my arms and all shall be forgiven Hedvig throws down the pistol, which goes off and kills a rabbit, and rushes into her father's arms. Old Ekdal comes out of a corner with a fowl on each shoulder and bursts into tears. Affecting family picture. It's all very pretty, I dare say. But it's not Ibsen. My real mission is to be the thirteenth at table. I don't know what I mean. But I fly to fulfil it. He goes. And now we've got rid of him, Hedvig. Fetch me the deed of gift I tore up, and a slip of paper, and a penny bottle of gum, and we'll soon make a valid instrument of it again. He pastes the torn deed together as the curtain slowly descends. End of the Wild Duck